You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. Get that energy up. Let's go. And called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like anarchy. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> My room is Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. Uh, action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. <laughs> no. Rhoda. Rhoda in the court. You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history. <laughs> Two. Oh, my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no <laughs> idea what the topic is going to be about. We're getting it. We're going to get it. 1852. Okay. Of, of our Lord. We're, and we're doing Year this, we're recording this because this is an important one? Yep, this is an important one. Because um, we're in Australia right now. We're in Australia, and I, and I wanted to record this one before the California elections. Okay. But I think everyone will enjoy it. All right, 1850. Henry Wells and William G. Fargo. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. What? You know, you know what it is? It, well, it's, uh, yeah. Is it about Wells Fargo? No, it's about the Henry and William candy shop. Oh, okay. <laughs> they met in the back room of a bookstore in Syracuse, New York, to discuss providing transportation of miners during the gold rush. Okay. In March uh, 1852, they launched Wells Fargo and Company's California Express with $300,000. It cost $300,000 to launch it? Yeah. That is a lot of money for back then. Yeah. Well, they didn't have Kickstarter. They did not have a Kickstarter. Okay. California only had 60 post offices for 300,000 people. The, the Alta California newspaper, quote, the post office system, so far as California is concerned, is a humbug and a nuisance. Uh, okay. Dave, you know what? I'm going to need you to clean it up a little bit. Uh, I really, you know, language is important to me. It's I a humbug. David? Um... So, uh, uh, hold on. Yep. Look at you. What a producer. I'm taking you up a notch. Great. Finally. Like uh, Emerald. Now I'm up a notch. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so they're filling a void, right? Sure. Um, Wells Fargo. So, wait, sorry, real quick. They're, they're, they're working pretty much in just transferring yeah, the. Yeah, right at the start. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they're just a cheaper, more trusted way to send letters across the country. Okay. Uh, and they created a way to send gold also with the stagecoaches, right? Sure. Um, which led to stagecoach robberies, of course. Well, I mean, of course. <laughs> you have Golden State. Yeah, exactly. There's gold <laughs> driving by you. Yeah, <laughs> pretty slow. You can trot along and be like, yeah, I'm going to take it. Well, thank you. Bye. Uh, Wells Fargo then started employing detectives to chase down the robbers. Okay. Wells Fargo also got into the lady shipping business. Well, uh, Dave, come on. What? What is that? In 1893, an unmarried woman took a trip from Los Angeles to Chicago for the World's Fair. Okay. Wells rode ahead and told their man there she was coming and to find her a place to stay. Okay. Wells Fargo introduced her to people, and she was personally checked up on by Wells Associates while she was there. Did, did she... She, did she single. She needed... Did she, a, she ask for any of this? She's single. She can't just run around like why, a woman. But why, 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 is, why, with, why with her, why did this happen? Just because... Because she, she's a lady single in a city. She must be checked upon. What do you mean checked upon? Made sure she's being ladyish. I don't like it. Well, so Wales, got, this is one of Wales' businesses, and then they also got into the lady shipping business in Europe. And Same what, thing. Let's say they would ship, they would take someone somewhere and then check up on her? Yeah, yeah, you got to make sure the lady's doing okay. 
In what way? Just like they would just like watch her? I guess. Or like, hello, Mrs. Spencer. How are you? Has a man touched you? No. Good. Okay. Good day. Stop coming over here. I'll be back tonight at midnight. It's not something I've asked for. Pantsless. Oh, my God. Then the man. Never mind. During the Spanish-American War, the U.S. passed a War Revenue Act. In uh, 1898, they required tax stamps on some business transactions. Okay. Wells passed uh, one-cent tax onto its customers, but they also fought the war tax all the way to the Supreme Court. Okay. (laughs) Who eventually ruled against Wells Fargo in 1901. But they had saved three years of taxes by tying it up in court and made a profit because they passed on the one-cent. Well, that's exactly how they drew it up. So they just pushed it for three years, then they get it to the Supreme Court. They've and now they do have to. Uh, After that, they did. But yeah, but they saved three years and they got. Years. They, uh, they made a profit. <laughs> Jesus. In 1905, Wells spun off the banking business from its express service. Uh, okay. So now it's now it's a bank. Right. And let uh, the good times roll. Yeah, this is when it gets great. In 1937, a Wells Fargo movie played in theaters across the country. What? I'm Detective John Wells, and I'm Andy Fargo. The plot was about Rocky. The plot is about Rocky? That's the guy's name. Okay. A special investigator for Wells Fargo who goes undercover as an outlaw to find out who was robbing stagecoaches. Wow. So this is like... You're in, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. This doesn't feel... I mean, this is the beginning of Brand Corporation. <laughs> yeah. From uh, A1957... How, how did it do at the box office? I don't know. I didn't check that oh, out. I'm not sure. Is it just made a killing? <laughs> who wouldn't want to go see the Wells Fargo movie? And from 1957 to 1962, Tales of Wells Fargo, the TV series, ran. Dude, this is like Mac and Me. (laughs) Wells, what what is the Wells Fargo TV show? Uh, Agent Jim Harris uh, (laughs) retires uh, and then uh, owns a ranch uh, near San Francisco, but still does agent work on the side. Ah, right. Part time. That's right. And he's just, he's again stopping uh, stagecoach robberies? He must be, yeah. Okay. What else would he do? I mean, I don't know. You would, hopefully, they would come up with a plot. Nope. Okay. And, uh, I mean, it ran for five years. Good. What year? uh, 57 to 62. Wow. That's crazy. In eight, we should should go pitch a Wells Fargo movie. Yeah. Uh, Right now, now's the time. (laughs) (laughs) It, I definitely want to do it more like Tango and Cash, though, if oh, possible. Fuck for Please? sure. Please, okay, it's thank you. Tango and Cash written all over. Yeah, it. Wells is kind of buttoned up, but yep. Fargo. <laughs> Good luck getting him in a cage. <laughs> he knows one law: Fargo's law. <laughs> in uh, 1986, Wells Fargo bought Crocker Bank and immediately fired 1,650 people. That's a Crocker shit, if you ask me. And then laid off another 3,350 within two years. Awesome. So they've become a cool business. Yes. Right. They called these payroll deductions. Well, look, there you go. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, you've been pay- payroll reduced. Oh, okay, uh, great. I mean, I, what is that? Uh... You're no longer on the payroll. Hmm. Sort of takes the motivation out of my job. Well, you can still come in and work. We're just not going to pay you anymore. If it's all right with you, sir, I'd really like to. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the team. Well, honey, I had a weird day at work. What happened? Well, I still have to go in, yeah. but uh, they've made some payroll reductions. But oh. I can tell I'm a valuable part, so uh, okay. I'm going in for free now. So uh, we're going to have to sell the boy. I didn't like him. I'm not a fan either. Okay. There's been a little... He's a shithead. Well, okay, let's not... He's a shit monster. You smell like gin. I've been drinking gin. You just said eating gin. That's how much of it you drank. 
<laughs> I've been eating gin. Oh, my God. In 1996, in a hostile takeover, Wells acquired a first interstate bank. At least that takeover is called hostile. Yeah. 350 branches were closed immediately, and 12,000 people Jesus were fired. Jesus Christ. This is all, We're like 10 minutes in. <laughs> in 1998, Norwest Bank bought Wells Fargo. Uh-huh. But Norwest took the name Wells Fargo instead of making Wells Fargo change its name. Weird. I think, I think Wells Fargo is just a better name than Norwest, maybe. I mean, that sounds like Kim and Kanye's next kid. Yeah. Oh, God, please. In 2012, in a foreshadowing of what was to come, Wells paid a penalty of $150,000 for improperly switching customers among, amongst mutual funds. Uh, so they're just switching customers around in mutual funds without telling them. <laughs> I mean, okay. Have you never done that? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> kind of takes the mutual part out of it. <laughs> Three years later, Wells was fined $3 million for improper sales of mutual funds. Which means what? They're selling people's... Mutual funds? I don't know. I, they, I don't know how. I didn't look into how improper. It just gets so. Okay. There's a lot. Okay. Uh, after the banking industry was deregulated by Bill Clinton and Republicans in Congress, Wells Fargo saw the black community as a fertile ground for predatory lending. Ugh. Wells created a unit in the mid-Atlantic region to push expensive re- refinancing loans on black customers, particularly those living in Baltimore, Southeast Washington, and a Prince George's County, Maryland. But it also went on all over the country. A Wells Fargo loan officer, quote, they referred to some prime loans made in minority communities as ghetto loans. Uh, I mean, uh, go ahead. And minority customers as those people have bad credit. Those people don't pay their bills. And, quote, mud people. Are they run by, like, a 90-year-old man? Is it, like, Grand Torino's in charge? (laughs) It's just abusive. It's not great. Yeah. A bank office in Maryland had a, quote, affinity group marketing section that specifically hired black employees to call African-American churches. Oh, man. The idea behind this was that church leaders had a lot of influence in the black community, and they could convince their congregants to take out subprime loans. (laughs) Not prime (laughs) loans, as most of these people were qualified for. Black customers were targeted to get higher interest, worse loans, which were designed to white people out in the end, even though they had the credit to get normal loans. I just can't believe it's that calculated. Like, I know that it is crazy, but that level of calculation well, that, you, that's a thing is abhorrent. Like, that's a conspiracy. They're not, they're not targeting church leaders to get... By the way, the next time someone is on the side of the banks... <laughs> Shove them. <laughs> so, yeah. So they're, you know, they know these loans are fucked. And so they're putting people in. And the thing is, is <clears throat> not a lot of us know or, or understand financing and banks and stuff. So you, you trust the person you're talking to. You yeah. Trust, you, totally. You, it, you shouldn't, but you kind of have to because you don't know anything it's, about it. It's almost like a lawyer because, like, when I, I've had to do liaise, like some liaison stuff with my mother and, and uh, her guy and, like, this, you're just like, look, man, I don't know what the fuck you're saying, yeah. but if you say yes, let's do it. And a lot, I mean, they're just... Yeah, and then these guys are being predators, you yes. know? Yes, yes. Wells even had software to generate marketing materials to minorities. <clears throat> if 
a Wells loan officer anywhere in the U.S. wanted to send a flyer to an African-American uh, neighborhood soliciting subprime loans, he could ask, access software that would print out a flyer for people who spoke the language of, quote, African-American. Sometimes the best way to see racism is, like, the, like, contortion, like the contortionism of how they will try to be politically correct while being awful. I mean, it's just fucking... Speak the language of the African-American. You mean English. It's just, like, the fact that that was fucking software, and you could access it, it's just fucking... We're... Mo- okay. Starting to miss uh, John Fargo, the cop. <sighs> Wells' top-producing subprime loan officer at the time, Beth Jacobson. Quote, we just went right after them. It was fertile ground. She... Okay. She, I mean, she's on... It's just crazy to hear someone say something like that. <laughs> Across all banks, during the mortgage lending madness, black households making more than 68000 a year were five times more likely to hold high-interest subprime mortgages as whites were at a wow. similar income or lower income. But for Wells Fargo, the numbers were worse. 2% of whites versus 16% of blacks in the same income. Holy shit. Wells Fargo put bounties on minority borrowers. Jesus Christ. I, 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 <laughs> <sighs> we were just getting started. I know, and I'm more, that's, what I'm, that's why I just said that. I'm like already like, ow, uncle. Beth, quote, by this I mean that loan officers received cash incentives. She earned as much as $700,000 one year and got all expenses trips to Cancun, Palm Springs, and the Bahamas. Anywhere nice? There, Aerosmith, Jimmy Buffett, the Beach Boys, the Eagles, Cheryl Crow, Elton John, and James Taylor performed for employees. James Taylor, this is folk see, singer. This is the, uh, this really is the whole problem. Is yeah. the way that if you you will sell your soul to make money. Yeah, and and even the the musicians you just named. The fucking I mean, what the fuck? They don't need that fucking money. Look, I expect this from Steven Tyler, but Joe Perry, <laughs> call me. I expect it. I expect that from the Eagles. Yeah, for sure, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beth would get gifts of artwork, crystal platters. She even, even a stake of the month club membership. Uh, Beth, should Beth be telling people what she did so far? Well, it's... Okay, so she was rolling in it, uh, and she ended up buying three homes. She didn't ask a lot of questions, even though it was pretty obvious something wasn't right. Why would Why would you ask a question? Hey, how come I get these great steaks once a month and Aerosmiths in my contacts? <laughs> and, w- and why do I have uh, uh, flyers for how to talk to black people? Hmm. <clears throat> in 2007, while she was cranking out $55 million a year in subprime loans, the CFO Wells went on the news. And there he denied that Wells Fargo even had a subprime division. <sighs> Seemed pretty, pretty obvious things were very wrong to Beth. So she quit. And couldn't find another job. Pretty soon, all three of her homes were in foreclosure. She applied for a loan modification from Wells Fargo (laughs) under the government HAMP program, but she was refused. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's what honesty gets you. 
In 2008, as the economy melted down due to the the housing crisis, the government decided to bail out the banks, not the people. Wachovia Bank was going tits up. The bank held a shitload of toxic mortgages. Citigroup made a deal to purchase Wachovia's banking assets for $2.2 billion. The government brokered the deal. Wachovia made an agreement. I think it's Wachovia, isn't it? Is it Wachovia? I think it is Wachovia, yeah. Well, they said no CH. Oh. Uh, Wachovia made an agreement. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to lead you in a direction no, of mispronunciations. It's, I mean, it doesn't exist anymore, so who cares? Uh, right? Well, Don Wachovia is upset. <laughs> Wachovia made an agreement with Citibank that it would n- not, quote, participate in any discussions or negotiations with any third party. Okay. So the deal's done. They're not supposed to talk to anybody else. It's okay. over. Okay. Then Treasury Secretary Paulson quietly issued a document revising the tax code. I miss Hank Paulson's <laughs> sweet mug. This gave huge benefits to certain banks that buy other banks. One of those being Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo, uh, from this t- revision of the tax code, would get $25 billion. Now, suddenly, Wells Fargo wanted to buy Wachovia. In October, Wells got $25 billion in TARP funds, the biggest amount awarded in a single shot, and that exact same day, Wells had a surprise announcement. They would buy Wachovia for $15 billion. So it, they were going to get $25 billion yeah, and for doing it, and it cost them $15 billion to actually do it. Basically, the, the government thought that Wachovia should be worth more than Citibank was offering. So they revised the tax code so that incentivize get a $25 billion windfall, and then they could buy... And get, have $10 billion left over. Yeah. Well, and the people, nothing. The people, what? Sorry, I shouldn't, Why would I you, shouldn't say that huh, word don't anymore. Don't make me angry. Sorry, people sorry. People get nothing. Sorry, sorry. How sorry, 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 sorry. Hand, put the ring out. I'll kiss. Mm. Wells Fargo and Citigroup had a public spat, and it ended up, ended up in court. The government got involved again, and it was decided Wells Fargo would get the bank. Wells Fargo chairman, quote, we believe this is the correct and right decision for our country and our citizens. Oh, God, you know what? I, I'm like, I, I might need to lay down. We might need a halftime. God damn it. You say that with a straight face. Uh, it's like a different human. It's not a human that I've come into contact with. Like, I've met liars. There, I've, there are people who are full of shit that I've met for sure. But, n- like, not on the level of this sort of... Hitlerist <laughs> angle on on the people and banking. It's magical. How much money is enough money? I don't think that they they think there is such a thing as enough money. Honestly, well, uh, okay. Citigroup said it would sue for sixty billion dollars. Wells Fargo ended up paying Citigroup a hundred million. Okay. In two thousand nine, Wells Fargo had the second worst record among large banks in helping families modify home loans. Right, because the crisis is on. The government set up a program to modify home loans. With the, in order to get, get people to keep their homes. Yeah, they want people yeah. to keep their homes. Right. Well, supposedly. Right. Only 6% of its... Hold. Sorry, that was housekeeping. Mm-hmm. We should have... You should have let housekeeping in for this. <laughs> Sorry, what, uh, what did you just say? Oh, I was just saying that, uh, you know, they settled for $100 million after they were able to absorb Wachovia. Yeah. Uh, which that was a ten billion dollar net gain for I them. I think that's what Chovia. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Good. I'm glad you could get, get, mic her. Would you hand her a mic? So, six percent of Wells Mortgage customers were getting a trial modification under HAMP. 
the program that was created to do that. It's only 6% of people. Wells also paid no income tax in 2009. That, that, that sort of stuff. Now, that's personal, Dave. That gets my goat. Uh, 35% corporate rate? It would have been about $18 billion. Nothing. Instead, they pay nothing. Nothing. <laughs> With its... I mean... <laughs> I already knew that in a way. But well, when I pay more money than Wells Fargo... That's what I mean. It's like, why do we have to do it? Why do all the people have to do this dumb bullshit exercise yeah. where you're constantly in fear that you're going to accidentally mess up a number yeah. and then you're going to get an audit or something like that? And in reality... <laughs> I mean, why not? $18 billion would probably be enough for a lot of our taxes, is my guess. I mean, with the economy in the shitter, Wells had to figure out a way to get those profits back up. In 2009, Wells began having employees secretly create millions of unauthorized bank and credit card accounts in customers' names without the customers knowing it. Okay, familiar. (laughs) They charged... Bullshit fees for the fake accounts. Wells employees had to hit crazy sales targets. If you're if you're a person who banks with Wells Fargo and you're, are you noticing like more or the, that you're taxed more or that like your money is going or that you're losing money based on this? Well, I think that the I mean I think the idea is is that like you know so they open up a savings account for you and then the what's it seven dollars a month so right. you don't notice if right. you have you know a decent amount of money right if you're scraping by and every dollar matters then but they're yeah. probably not targeting those people well, well I actually <laughs> I was just gonna say <laughs> a little too much credit there but i really think the idea is like well fees people won't really notice so let's right. do this right um well ceo john strumpf publicly stated that each wells customer should have at least eight accounts with the company Oh, my God. So not just bank accounts. You know, credit card, like whatever they can get well, you. That, I mean, the, like I can think of three or four. No, I, yeah, I can't even. Had, like, what the uh, fuck are you talking the about? The candy fund. <laughs> <laughs> Wells called this its, quote, GER8 initiative. Uh, how, are, is that, how is that being spelled? G-R-E-I-G-H-T. GER8. Great. Eight. Eight accounts. Eight accounts. They're good. <laughs> Feels like I work over there. Wall Street loved it, and stock went up. Over five years... Hey, Dave. <clears throat> yeah. I hate what they're doing. <laughs> over five years, bank employees opened up over 3.5 million accounts without getting customers' permission. And they, the employees know what they're doing. Yeah. They did it by moving money from a customer's existing account to a newly created one. Customers were then charged fees for not having enough money in their original account. Holy shit. As well as overdraft fees. I, have you, I mean, like, I remember living with the overdraft yeah. cloud above me for a long yeah, period yeah. of time. And this, when you would get screwed on an overdraft fee, I mean, it's it, like it could be for like three dollars over, but then you're charged forty dollars. Yeah. So now you're down forty three dollars. Yeah. And you're poor. And so the, it's and it's a and it's poor. a bank. It's like just say yeah. no to me. Right. That would be That's a lot right. of it. I would That's just right. be just like, don't. Yeah, just don't give me the money, you asshole. The money. That's kind of sometimes what you're trying to figure out. I mean, I yeah. remember being at Vaughn's, being like, "Come on, baby, come on, baby, come on, baby," you know, being like, "All right, got it," and then being like, "Dude, I'm screwed." No, there is no reason for an overdraft fee. Yeah. Don't pay the fucking money. Yeah. I didn't have it. Don't You're pay a it. bank. That's kind of what you do. It's it, Yeah. Uh, so uh, 
Right, so they're moving money from one account to another. People are getting charged with overdraft fees. Wells employees submitted 565,443 credit card accounts without customers' knowledge. 14,000 of those credit cards brought in the bank over $400,000 in fees. Employees said they were brutally pressured to meet sales quotas. How about whistleblow? We'll get there. Employee Sabrina Bertrand, quote, I had managers yelling in my face. They wanted you to open up a dual checking account for people that couldn't even manage their original checking account. The bank's district managers discussed sales for each branch and employee, quote, four times a day at 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. Wow. Employees started doing anything they could to keep their job. Oh, my God. Besides opening accounts, they created something called pinning, which was to have ATM cards issued and assigned a PIN number without customer authorization. I don't like where this is headed. Then they would get shit going. They would create fake email addresses and then more accounts. The customer had no idea any of this was going on. So there are fake debit cards going... And where are they, and they're getting like a second debit card made, and then they're taking it and they're using that to open up other accounts for the employees, for customers. Mike, well, and employees in a way. Yeah. <laughs> employees who did not meet daily goals were quote reprimanded and told to do whatever it takes to meet individual sales quotas. Management would tell employees to quote achieve solutions through family members. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, this is like. Not a lot of places start at the top and then move down to pyramid schemes. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking crazy. This, the thing I don't understand, and I know this is going to be the point, but the, like, this is such a short-sighted plan. Yeah. This is so like... this. No, it's monumental. And that's stupid. the problem with the corporate... That's the problem with having to grow every quarter, quarter. is yeah. that you have... At some point, you're going to have to not grow, yeah. and then the companies will just keep... I mean, it's like a machine. Well, the, the guy running this doesn't care, because right now... Profits are up. And yeah, he looks good right now, for state. sure. Yeah, He doesn't give a shit about the long term. Nope. Former branch manager in Florida, Rita Murillo, said, quote, we were constantly told we would end up working for McDonald's if we did not make sales quotas. We had to stay for what felt like after-school detention or report to a call session on Saturdays. She couldn't take it and quit her job. She didn't have another job lo- lined up. She lost her house. Workers who refused to go along with the fraud were fired. Dennis Russell was fired after working at Wells for five years. He was expected to refer 23% of his callers to a sales rep for product sales. Wow. Just go to hell. Just fuck off. Honestly. I mean, honestly. How I much? Call, when I call and you say, hey, do you want this? I, um, I just don't give a shit. Uh, the worst. I usually don't have time. Well, be, beyond that, it's just like enough. Yeah, I don't An- need it. Uh, stop. Yeah. I also don't need when I go to Subway... Uh, or some fucking shitty place. I don't. I don't need to go online and fill out a review for the person. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this, and then we'll jump right back in. You're talking to a guy who used to go to El Pollo Loco twice a day, and on the back of his receipt would go home, fill out a survey to get one dollar off the next chicken breast. <laughs> and I was involved in a vicious cycle of every day going home from El Pollo Loco, filling that out. I mean, like I knew the people at the drive-through. I was like, here are my two receipts. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be four thirty nine, but it should be two thirty nine. Is uh, is Heidi back there? What's going on? You were winning. Yeah, yeah. But the economy, so the economy crashed. So companies like Wells Fargo, who had sold everyone shitty subprime mortgages to 
crash the economy. We're now trying to crash the economy. We'll just fucking force people to make money right. off of nobody. Crash who, the people. Nobody has money. Yeah. Dennis was just talking to people who were, quote, in dire financial shape. They all had mortgages in foreclosure, credit cards in collections, and cars being repossessed. There was literally no bank product you could offer them. So he was fired. <laughs> the Committee for Better Banks launched a campaign that got 10,000 signatures of Wells Fargo employees stating they were being forced to do this. They knew it was illegal, unethical, and they all felt really bad. The company ignored the petition and continued the process. Some would open up accounts for friends and family. Employee. Quote, there would be days where we would open five checking accounts for friends and family and just go home early. Management was fully aware of what was going on. Some employees tapped every family member or friend they had. Others spent holiday dinners trying to convince all their family members to sign up for accounts. The problem is you seem a little desperate. I do. No, I'm just saying I think, there's a, I think Wells Fargo is a great home and a great place for, you know, look, just sign the, sign the guy. Okay, everyone, we're not having turkey until everyone signs the goddamn papers. Uh, look, can we just eat? No, we're not eating until every – look, guys, I'm trying to help you. You're not okay? trying – Let me talk, okay. Dan. Okay, let me – my God. I mean, hey, I, you're making hey, me sound crazy. You're, 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 just sign, sign – no, shut the fuck up for listen, a, Shut up. Your eyes Shut, are bleeding. Yeah, of course they're bleeding. I haven't slept in a week, okay? Okay. and I'm not under a lot of pressure. Okay. okay? Shut up, okay? I just need everyone here to just sign up for some accounts, okay? And you can okay. trust. Listen, hey, 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 listen to me. I'm your pal. What? No, what's sign, happening right hey, now? Hey, I, I hey, sign the thing. I'm your pal. I love you guys. I love you guys so much. I love you guys so much. Why don't we just do... Shh, why don't we just do this? Can I? Let's shut up. I'm not trying to be rude. I love you so much. Let me shut up. Uh, why don't we just do the thing where everybody just opens a credit card, okay? And then we can have a nice, a nice Christmas meal. This is the most unorthodox uh, prayer we've had to start Thanksgiving. Day. Amen. Okay, come on, guys, fill out that paperwork and let's get the gravy going, huh? <laughs> all right, I got a loaded gun. All right, okay. we're all signing up. Signing. We're all signing up for some goddamn credit cards. One, uh, it's just one branch manager in the Pacific Northwest was dismayed to learn employees had talked a homeless woman into opening six checking and savings account. Dave, I mean, this like this is just getting so much worse by the by the two every two minutes. Fees came to thirty nine dollars a month. This is unbelievable. How, were they're just like walking down the street looking for homeless people. <laughs> they live in that level of fear yeah. of these of the bank. Yeah, because they're going to get fired and they have no other job. I, I mean, and I understand. Remember, it's it's a recession. I the un- worst recession dude, since the depression. I understand the the dire nature of the. It is, uh, you know, it's like yeah. it's like gladiators. I yeah. mean, it's just like totally. Uh, okay. Yeah, capitalism's good. Yeah. So um, some managers told employees to make unauthorized accounts and then just apologize when the customer called and say it was a mistake. When one bank manager in Los Angeles called the company whistleblower hotline to report all the ongoing fraud, he was fired within two weeks. He was unable to find a job in banking at all because Wells blacklisted him. Yesenia Guitron watched the fake opening and closing of accounts in her St. Helena branch, so she told her manager, Nothing happened. Next, she did what she was told to do during training and called the whistleblower hotline. 
nothing happened. She kept going up the chain, up the chain to an HR rep and then the regional manager. When you say when you say whistleblower hotline, that is for Wells Fargo. An internal whistleblower hotline. Well, I mean, that's a whistle that doesn't have the little ball in it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. Yeah, it's a problem. It ain't a whistle. No. She then started being harassed at work and was fired for insubordination. So the whistleblower hotline was really a place to let them know to fire you because you were going to tattle. That's right. She sued Wells Fargo and lost and ended up with 18000 in court costs. Oh, my God. Afterwards, no one would hire her because she was a troublemaker. <laughs> During trainings, Wells emphasized how important their ethics code was and urged employees to call the confidential hotline if they saw anything inappropriate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> the hotline became something people would call and then be fired. A Mr. Johnson in Malibu was fired three days after reporting illegal opening of accounts. He was evicted from his house, and eventually all his possessions in a storage unit were auctioned off because he couldn't pay the bill. So, so that's why people are doing it, because if they don't, yeah. they lose everything. No, I mean, the, look. It's, it, what, it's, what, it, it's, it's what socialist means when they, when they say, you know, this is what uh, slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, I mean, you know, like they're obviously making a wrong ethical judgment yeah. but it is being you this is like you obviously yeah this is where it all ends when you just have the people pitted against each other yeah. one lawyer estimated the number of people who have been fired for reporting illegal activity was in the tens of thousands Jesus. in may 2013 wells jumped into the wonderful world of payday loans which would take advantage of desperate people living on the edge the annual percentage rate for payday loans is between 225 and 300,000%. Sorry, 225 and 300%. Holy shit. So that's your annual annual rate on the loan. Are you going to explain what payday loans are? Okay, so because pa- they're okay, go ahead. So a payday loan is you you have uh, you make a certain amount of money. You're short on money. You're short on money. Like you you have a big bank bill. Your car broke down, you have a medical bill. Right. So you need $5,000. You need less than that. You right. need you need 800 Eight hundred dollars. Right. So you go in and you say, "I have a job. Here's my receipts. Can I get a loan for this amount?" And they say, "Yes," but the the rate is extraordinary. And so within within two weeks, you owe the same amount you just got. Like it's just it's un- just conscionable. postponing your disaster and making it more impossible. Yes. But it's not now. And the reason this is legal is because both Democrats and Republicans. Support it 100%. But Dave, those are the two parties we get. Yeah. They're, yeah. More than 25% of payday loan borrowers are on Social Security. Okay. Almost <laughs> all payday loans lead to a negative balance after two months and the need to take out another loan. Wells Fargo was the only large bank in the country now involved in payday loans. They are just... I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, all banks are, I mean, all big banks are vile. Vile. But Wells Fargo is really. It's uncommon. They're, yeah. Right. Monsters. Right. In 2015, Wells Fargo continued its relentless assault on human beings, trying to take their homes with no documentation. A New York Westchester County woman called Cynthia Carso, who was a speech pathologist for autistic children, was continuing a years-long fight. Wells just forged documents to say they should be able to take her home. My God. I, I, honest to God, they should have just stuck to the human delivering business. 
That was a simpler time, wasn't it? A judge in the case, overseeing the case, Judge Drain, quote, the blank endorsement upon which Wells Fargo was relying was forged. Nevertheless, it does show a general willingness and practice on Wells Fargo's part to create documentary evidence after the fact when enforcing its claims, which is extraordinary. I, she's offended. She's saying that he... That she's literally just saying Wells Fargo was forging documents yeah. to prove their fucking case. Is that illegal? submitting it to the court. Is that illegal, Dave? I think so. A year before, the case had revealed that Wells Fargo set up internal procedures in a 150-page Wells Fargo foreclosure attorney procedures manual to fabricate foreclosure papers on demand. My it's God. It's a fucking training manual. The, the brashness. Anytime they had a house they wanted to foreclose on but couldn't find the documents, they would just create the documents. So the housing crisis happened because there were so many fucking loans being done. Bullshit loans. So that... ma- and there's so much bullshit of things moving around. And, and so they have, they have so many houses they believe they own, but they have no documents to prove it. So it was called Robo... Uh, Cop. Um, robo... Um, it was like Robo Stamping or something, but... They had buildings in which all the banks would just tell, the, tell these people in these buildings to just create documents. Fake documents, Fake documents because they believed they owned the homes. Yeah. This is widespread at all banks. One VP of loan documentation for Wells Fargo said she signed as many f- as 500 foreclosure papers a day. In a deposition, she admitted she did not verify the principal and interest the bank claimed the borrower owed. The only thing she checked was whether her name and the title were accurate. She said she thought the documents had been been reviewed by outside lawyers. So they're hiring people with absolutely no experience in business or law or finance because they know those people won't ask questions. Right, right. Uh, Herman John uh, Kennedy worked as a manager heading up a, quote, default documents department. Oh, that's a good department to have for sure. <laughs> Definitely want to open one of those within. We're not sure we should call it Forge Documents Department or uh, Bullshit Documents well, Department. I mean, I don't, I don't really care anymore. Yeah, I don't really care either. Yeah. Let's call it the Screw'em Department. <laughs> Fuck them. Under oath, he admitted to signing between 50 and 150 documents each day that were being created to administer and enforce Wells' defaulted loans. Judge Drain, quote, Mr. Kennedy's testimony does not stop at describing manufactured mortgage assignments. He also testified that his assignment team's duties were not limited to processing assignments, including, when determined necessary, creating them. Well, it's very creative. (laughs) Has she thought about that? By the way, a little judgy. How about some points for, uh, you know, being creative and taking a yeah. chance? Yeah. How about, how about for creating the conditions that we thought only Satan could work at, yeah. but here I am doing it? I mean, good Lord. There's nothing wrong with being daring. Yeah. How do I plead, Your Honor? Bold. Very bold. Very bold. Fucking crazy like a fox, yeah. Your Honor. Yeah. I mean, if you're Wells Fargo's lawyer, you're like, okay, so let's just get all the information out on the table because it seems like things are really leaking out at a horrid pace. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so they're not just making documents up if they didn't have them. So they are just making up documents if they didn't. It's happening all over the country. Right. All over the place. 
Wells was hit with a fine after fine. In 2011, $85 million for pushing people into subprime mortgage loans. $37 million for municipal bond rigging. 2012, on uh, several banks fined, several of the banks were fined $25 billion for their part in the housing crisis. But this was a largely just a bullshit fine. Only $3.5 billion of that were payments to wronged homeowners. The rest was for, <coughs> rest was for quote, consumer relief that ultimately helped the bottom line of the banks. Where did that money go? That money went to the government that just put it right back to the banks? Well, the government said this is a fine, right? $25 yeah. billion fine. So $3.5 billion of it went to people who needed help. Right. And then the rest was just like set up new uh, products for people to help them. It's just another way for them to make money. Uh-huh. So it was just an investment for the bank. Sure. Yeah. It's great. That relief reached because now they have some money to play with. <laughs> they got a little funny money, a little walking around money. You know what I mean? Uh, that relief reached far fewer borrowers than it was supposed to. In July- that wasn't that. that wait, you mean the three point five reached not enough people? Yeah. I, what? Like so? Even that's being halved. In July two thousand twelve, Wells was finally fined for the pattern of discrimination against African American and, Hispa- and Hispanic. Mortgage borrowers. Oh, well, what was the fine here? I don't remember. Okay, sure it was. <laughs> Mr. Tran Doi Duck was born in Vietnam in 1961. He was 13 when uh, the North Vietnamese took over the government in 1975. His father was sent to a prison camp for four years. When he was released, he got his son out of the country. Tran went to Cambodia, where he was captured by the Khmer Rouge. They took him to a camp where they made the 17-year-old their slave and forced him to dig wells. Quote, sometimes the soldiers got drunk and took me out and put AK-47s to my head so I would pass out. Eight months later, he was traded to aid workers for humanitarian supplies. A kilo of rice, two boxes of canned tuna, two boxes of sardines and tomato sauce, antibiotics, and some other medical supplies. He was traded for this? Yeah. The uh, aid workers then helped him migrate to the United States. His first job in America was as a dishwasher. Then he worked in payment processing at a local bank. In 2002, he started working in a call center for Wells Fargo Collections. In 2013, he transferred to the Home Equity Division. Oh, boy. As Tran examined loans, he realized Wells was missing some paperwork that proved the borrowers owed money. Oh, uh, just print it up. We have a whole thing. Just actually, there's three stacks of paper over there. Just staple those together. It's pretty straightforward. Just write a name in. Just write a name. Make up a name. Write no, a name. No, not mine. No, my God, not mine. <laughs> those pranks are bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tran was told the loans were valid, but he did not have access to all the borrowers' information in the systems. Okay. So one day he got a call from a man in North Carolina. The man was 88 years old. His wife had just gotten a letter from Wells Fargo saying she owed $90,000 on her house, and if she didn't pay it in 90 days, they would foreclose. The house had been paid off 30 years before. (laughs) Okay. The wife had Alzheimer's. Oh, no. Tran tried to find the documents. There were none anywhere. So he went to his boss, who said not to follow up with it. Okay. Quote, it's no problem. If the customer calls back, tell them it's a balloon loan. Wait. Oh, my God. So it's just whatever it takes to close. 
It's not even closing. Or whatever, whatever, right. But whatever it takes to close that deal to take their house back. They're literally stealing someone's home. Yes, right. And the boss is like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, just tell them they got a balloon loan. By the way, I know someone this happened to. I know someone who was dealing, calling up Wells Fargo and dealing with them and saying this. And and they were lying to him the whole time and he lost his house. Fuck. So a balloon loan, if you don't know, is a type of loan... Which what it sounds like. It's a small amount, a small amount, a small amount, and then you owe a huge amount. And it's basically designed to fuck you out of your house. Right. People's idea was that they would buy a house, and before the balloon lo- loan payment came due, they would sell the house right. and make money. But what happened is everyone's balloon payment loans came due at the same time. <laughs> and the economy crashed. Right. And now no one could buy houses. So um, another manager said if there were no documents, quote, that is not something we would share with the customer under any circumstances. That's not something we share with the customer. We don't tell them the truth. No. Trent felt very uncomfortable. That's weird. Oh, did he have, uh, like, a moral compass? Yeah, he had, uh, he had uh, some people in banking have human empathy. He was uh, inflicted with uh, ethics. Yes. Yes, right. Which can destroy. Sad. Yeah. Sad when that happens uh, to people. Loser. Yeah. So the guy calls back, and he's now demanding proof from Wells about this money. Send him a picture of a balloon. Tran got a call from another woman who had not taken out a loan, but received a notice to pay $165,000. I mean, imagine getting a letter in the mail that says this. Yeah. Especially if it's bullshit. You know you're fucked. Well, that's the thing, right? You see that, and you're like, oh, man, this is going to be a fight. Yeah. She had children. If they took her home... The family would be homeless. Again, Wells had no paperwork for this loan. So Tran went to his boss and said, this is obviously fraud. Within months, he was fired. Hey, call the uh, whistleblower line. Good catch there, Tran. <laughs> yeah, call the whistleblower line. Let him know. Yep, That's uh, great. That's where all that stuff goes. If any of your friends feel the same way, have them call. They did not tell him why he was being fired. Oh, well, I wonder, what do you think it was? They said if he, he wanted... He probably ate someone's lunch. They said if he wanted a reason, he should call Human Resources. Oh, uh, yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, call Human Resources where there's another guy like, what's he saying? Well, tell him he had a balloon contract. Where they're making up documents about why they fire people. Yeah. HR told them if he was, fi- he was fired for failing to orally respond to a customer during a call. Oh, my God. <laughs> These pieces of shit. We have the greatest shit reasons. Uh, let me let me give this guy one. This it's is actually great... uh, like it's the magic eight ball, and you just shake it, and then it'll give you a bullshit thing to say to the guy. We kind of made a game out of it. Oh, you were fired for looking at someone weird. Yeah, don't you remember? We have footage. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> In 2015, Tran sued Wells for retaliation. He wanted to force Wells to admit publicly they were wrong. Quote, they have so much money, they use that money to buy off the American justice system, and they never go to court. I would imagine a guy like this, what he's been through, is able to stick it out a little bit more than other people because he... Right, had that history where he had an AK-47 put to his head. So he was very adamant about never settling. And then this year, he settled. It was supposed to be a seven-figure payment. That he was supposed to get? Yeah, that's the... Yeah, okay. the amount that he probably got. The guy whose wife, ha- who has Alzheimer's, is still to this day fighting Wells Fargo over a loan that is what not the real. fuck? As are thousands of people across the country. Uh, sorry. Well, have, I mean, obviously, like, because I know the 30,000-foot the overview of this story. Yeah. Uh, Wells Fargo seemingly, I mean, by the way, 
they came, they had that commercial where they're like, yeah. I mean, they're just so, they will say anything. Yeah. They, they're, they're, they were forced to um, do some sort of national program where they are giving money to different places and different things. And, and they're forced to do it. It's, it's part of their uh, the the agreement with the Justice Department. Right. And they're putting on ads acting like they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Right. And they're sending mayors around the country letters. And the mayors are like, thank you for doing this. No one has any idea that it's a penalty. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Um, so it's like in- banking with Herbalife. <laughs> In June uh, 2016, Wells Fargo and other banks announced they would once again start making subprime loans. What? How is that? Th- how does that come back? Well, they they got rid of the remember they passed laws and then they got rid of them all. I, mm. People can get a loan with just three percent down, and they get a lower interest rate if they go to a government sponsored personal finance class. Doesn't matter if you have bad credit. And the banks lowered their credit guidelines. They accept documentation from, quote, non-traditional sources. <laughs> Was that I mean, themselves? Yeah, the non-traditional sources is what got us into the fucking crisis in the first place. Happy to repeat it. <clears throat> the federal housing agencies, specifically Fannie Mae, are helping and are set up to buy the subprime loans. From Wells Fargo's website, quote, Wells Fargo will service the loans, but Fannie Mae will buy them. I don't fully understand what that so means. So Wells Fargo is making the loan, and then they're selling it off to oh, right. the government, which is what happened with the right. subprime. Mortgage crisis. So Wells Fargo makes the profit, and the taxpayers assume the risk. <sighs> they're literally going after people who shouldn't have loans, again. Well, because they, I mean... They were not punished! Yeah, because they, I mean, why, why would they not? Nobody went to fucking jail. Yeah. Nobody went to fucking jail. They Obama, paid three... Holder, nobody went to fucking jail. In July 6, 2016, Wells Fargo announced the head Should of we the- get the maid in here? I feel like we're hitting a really good run now. This would be when we want her in. In July 2016, Wells Fargo announced the head of the Department of Fake Accounts, Carolyn... That's what I called that's, it. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but, Dave, what, 15 years away what? from yeah. that being, like, allowed? Hi, I'm uh, the CEO of Total Bullshit. Uh... Are you really? I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I run the uh, fuck the customer uh, department. Oh, I've heard unbelievable We're doing things great. about you. We're doing great stuff. Hi, I'm Fakey. <laughs> uh, her name was Carolyn Tolestet. Uh, it was announced in July 2016 she would retire at the end of the year. She wasn't retiring immediately because at the end of the year she would get a 19 million in stock options. Dude, I mean, hmm? yeah, already. No, the bullshit, but this, again, is very infuriating. On September 8th, 2016... What do you do with $19 million? Oh, fuck. On September 8th, 2016, the public learned the scope of Wells' fake account mess, which had been going on now for fucking years. The bank was given a $185 million fine. The plan had always been to blame employees when the shit came down. So Wells Fargo well, did. Because the firing. CEO called the whistleblower line. Yeah. Yeah. Wells Fargo then fired 5,300 people. Who were doing all of this to survive yeah. not getting fired because there was no real money to be made for them outside of this. That's right. David Vladek, a George. I think I'm going to go back in time and beat the shit out of Wells and Fargo. 
Oh, wouldn't that be the thing to do? Yeah. That's how you stop all this. It's like killing Hitler. You go to that back room where they thought about it. Yeah. David Vladek, a Georgetown University law professor and former director at the Federal Trade Commission's Bureau of Consumer Protection, quote, one wonders whether a penalty of $100 million is enough. It sounds like a big number. For a bank the size of Wells Fargo, it isn't. Wait, who said that? Uh, a guy, uh, a law professor and former director of the Federal Trade yeah, Commission. Yeah, well, I mean, for sure. He's even giving him a little too much credit with that. So it just doesn't seem right. Yeah. Wells wrote an email to bank employees when the fake scandal broke. Hey, fuck you guys. Hey. Later. Quote, at Wells Fargo, when we make mistakes, we're open about it. We take responsibility and we take action. Oh, my God. That's why they fired all the employees. And yeah, because no they're taking responsibility yeah. and changing the culture that they enforced. <laughs> that they created. The bank released a statement saying it had made uh, a number of, quote, fundamental changes to ensure our team members are not being pressured to sell products. Mm-hmm. They would now have enhanced training that would value ethics and how to report concerns. Yeah, well, you know what? Call the whistleblower hotline. We, uh, yeah, something like calling a whistleblower Yeah, that's, that's a good thing to put in place. CEO Trump. Yeah, big brother. Uh, whistleblower. <laughs> Sorry, what did I say? Big, oh, my God. What did I say? CEO uh, Strumpf, at the end of September, said he would forfeit his salary, including a bonus, and $41 million in stock. But people were still pissed. Wells then decided to claw back the $19 million from Carolyn Tolestrit and said she was fired. So clawback is an actual banking term in which you go and take money back from someone that you've paid them. Okay. And they are actually taking money away from people so who made exorbitant amounts. Right. They were the head of the Department right, of right. Department. People are still pissed. In October, Wells retroactively fired her. So they went back and what? fired her what? before she was fired. No, this and is... clawed back another $47.3 million in pay. But I think what they're saying is... You were doing illegal stuff. We didn't oh, know we about found it. out, so we're right. We found out about what we were. We knew. We're was very disappointed in you. <laughs> to think. <clears throat> so now they took back another forty-seven point three million. So altogether, that's uh, like sixty sixty-six million dollars. How hard for th- were things for Carrie? Not at all. She left Wells with a hundred twenty-four point six million in stocks and options. CEO John Strumpf, quote, a trusted colleague and dear friend, friend Carrie Tolstet, has been one of our most valued Wells Fargo leaders, a standard bearer of culture, a champion for our customers. Do they know how to fire someone? And a role model for responsible principle and inclusive leadership. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, Dave, what's crazy is to be able to toe the line between being honest, capable, and also walking away with $120 million. Almost seems like those two are... Yeah. That don't fit together. It really, oddly, yeah. Sort now of feel, you say it. Yeah. CEO John Strump testified at a Senate banking committee hearing. It didn't go well. He had trouble answering direct questions and tried to stick to his talking points. He was pretty much slaughtered. He lied, and he left looking like an idiot. Days later, it was real, revealed Wells Fargo had been illegally repossessing cars of members of the military. Oh, my God. Federal law requires banks to get a court order before repossessing a car from members of the military because they are going into the military. Like, if they're working a job and they go into the military, their salary goes down. Right. So it's like a thing where they're trying to help them out. Right. Courts have to sign off on repos if the service member took out the loan and made a payment prior to entering the service. A National Guardsman of North Carolina complained that his car had been seized while he was preparing to deploy to Afghanistan in 2015. Wells auctioned his car off, then tried to force the family to pay the 10000 remaining balance. This began an investigation. 
Turns out Wells Fargo had begun this practice in 2006. These... They had repossessed 413 cars, it was revealed, between 2008 and 2015. But a year later, that number suddenly jumped to 860 cars. But that wasn't their only car scam. Wells required people who got car loans to have comprehensive insurance. If the customer failed to get insurance, the Wells contract said the bank could buy it for them and charge them. Um, let me guess. They were looking for like some cheap stuff. They were on hold with Geico the whole time. Like, nah, it's not good enough. This is exactly what they did. They bought insurance for customers who had already purchased insurance. What? I mean... <laughs> oh, my God. This is just insane. Wells did this to over 800,000 customers. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say 800 and it hurt. This put undue financial burden on many, which led to 25,000 people having their cars repossessed. By the way, when you bring up that military aspect, like, you know, would our rage at uh, people who do not support people who serve their country not be better pointed towards a bank than a goddamn dude taking a kneel during a football game and calling that unpatriotic? One would think so. Right. Wells promised to pay $64 million in cash refunds to these people. That worked out to $140 per person. Oh, well, Dave, why didn't you cut me off? There's a happy ending. They'll get $140. If your car was repossessed, you'd get $800. Oh, okay. That should cover... Nothing. Yeah. Wells Fargo said the insurance issue was due to inadequate checks and balances at the bank. Dude, you're a bank. You're all about <laughs> checks and fucking balances, literally. That's your whole thing. Wells Fargo spokesman, quote, We take full responsibility for our failure. Oh, boy, boy. Well, welcome to the Egg on Our Face news conference, the annual one. Oh, we did it again. Oh, boy. CEO Strumpf testified in front of the House of Representatives. Uh, Representative Michael Capuano said Strumpf was, quote, clearly and unequivocally guilty of a range of crimes, including conspiracy to commit fraud, conspiracy to commit identity theft, and rocketeering. Did the Obama administration charge him? Let me... Yes. No. Oh, weird. Strump uh, said he learned of the unauthorized account problem in 2013. This was a lie. It was revealed he was sent a detailed letter from an employee about the fraud in 2007. After his testimony, so he's lied. Not only has he committed crimes, but he's he's now perjured himself in front of Congress. After his testimony, Strump agreed to... He should have just said he liked beer. (laughs) That's the way you wiggle your way out of this stuff. After his testimony, Strump agreed to a $41 million clawback. On October 12th, 2016... John Strump suddenly retired from Wells Fargo as CEO. I'm curious. I mean, he must have left owing them money. He walked away with $134 million. Jesus Christ. What do you do with that much money? He should be in prison. Yeah. He should be in fucking prison and have no money. Yeah. That's what, that's what his punishment should be. All of his possessions are taken away. He can live in yeah. a fucking halfway house for the rest of his life. Yeah, and, and he and he is in prison for fucking thirty years. How about this? Get him to a uh, income level so low that Wells Fargo is approaching him to open new bank accounts. Yeah, and it's like this this guy you couldn't prosecute. Yeah, why Holder not? Couldn't prosecute prosecute why not? This guy? Pro- I mean, the whole reason I know the answer. You know the but, answer. But, but, paid but off. yeah, Strump was replaced by Tim Sloan, a longtime Wells Fargo insider. But even former- these last names just sound shady. Strump Sloan. 
Sloat was the former boss of Kerry Tolstead. Oh, so he... Mm. <laughs> no, so no, he's no. literally the guy who did all this. Yeah. Sloan, quote, my immediate... I'm a CEO clawback. <laughs> quote, my immediate and highest priority is to restore trust in Wells Fargo. Yeah, well, dude, someone do it. In April 2017, it was revealed that Wells Fargo had been overcharging small businesses for processing credit card transactions. Can we have a list of the places that <laughs> Wells Fargo was not screwing people? When the small business owners tried to leave Wells, they were charged, quote, massive termination fees. God, I'm going to give them a termination fee. The overbilling scheme used deceptive language in a 163-page contract that was purposely designed to confuse small business owners who didn't have legal expertise. So they're that ahead of their bullshit, too. They are, in a way, just like working day-to-day like a coke addict, but by the same token... They are savvy enough to have paperwork in place that yeah. when these people are going to reject what they're doing, they'll still be able to screw them. Yeah. It's good well, stuff, though. Wells charged the small businesses monthly fees for not meeting the minimum number of transactions, even though there was no such clause in the contract. That's just an insane thing to have. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't do enough with your money, so uh, we're pissed. Look, you didn't make enough money, so uh, guess what? we got to charge you money. Yeah, you got a no-money fee. It's going to cost you money. Money. In June 2017, it was revealed Wells Fargo was modifying mortgages without telling the borrowers. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we need a nanny cam. Christopher and Allison Cotton had 16 16 years left on their mortgage, but medical expenses forced them into bankruptcy. Wells then changed their mortgage several times without getting their approval and extended the mortgage by 26 years, which increased their interest payments by $140,000. This is so crazy. It is still not known how extensive this practice is, but Wells has admitted to doing it at least 100 times. Well, that means a million. A million. In October, it came to light that Wells was charging mortgage borrowers for missing a deadline to lock-in promised interest rates, even though the delays were Wells Fargo's fault. Well, but again, they can't pay that. They're broke. That's right. They're giving all their money away. In August of this year, it was revealed Wells had a, quote, calculation error that affected hundreds of homeowners who applied for mortgage modifications from 2010 to 2015. Here's a term they can't use anymore. (laughs) Error. It was a software issue that somehow miscalculated whether or not homeowners were eligible for the Home Affordable Modification Program that was created to help people to remain in their homes after the housing crisis. Of course. Of course it is. Around 625 people were wrongly denied mortgage modifications. 400 lost their homes. Wells then set aside $8 million to compensate them, which is 12000 per owner. Patricia McCoy, a former government mortgage official, said about these new mortgage revelations, quote, Wells Fargo had a business model until all this came to light that emphasized generating fees charged to customers under duplicitous circumstances simply for the sake of padding revenue. Someone's got a new slogan. Yeah. Wells was given $1.5 billion from the government as part of the HAMP program. 70% of that went to homeowners. The rest went to investors and the servicer. I don't understand that. Why would, how is that even possible? A lot of people will say that Obama's biggest failure was the HAMP program. And if you get into it, it's abominable what happened. It's Obamabable. Wells released a statement saying it was, quote, sorry. Very sorry. We're very sorry. My bad. My, our bad. You know what they say? Uh, 
Fool you once, shame on you. Uh, fool you for about 30 years, shame on us. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, sorry. Well, that came out wrong. Shame yeah, on you again. Uh, shame, shame on, on others. Oh, wait. Shame. Uh, shame on... Fool me... No, I'm here to... Fool me once. Fool... fool uh, sorry. Fool me once. Oh, fee me once. Fool, We're charging you a fee. Fool, fool you a bunch of times. I get a boat. Yes, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, that was it. it was, yeah. Uh, Wells paid two, a $2 billion settlement this year for misleading investors about its subprime mortgages in the run-up to the financial crisis. The bank had revenues of two, in 2017 of $88.4 a comparable impact for a family living on $75,000 a year would be a fine of $1,781. Right. So you have to find them $88 billion. Yeah. That's what you have to find the bank. Yeah. Wells Fargo announced it was refunding tens of millions of dollars to clients because they had add-on products without customers knowing. Same as the fake accounts? No, this is a totally different thing. These included everything from pet insurance to home warranties to legal services. Ha. All had monthly fees. All they just put on people's accounts. And then do people notice on their accounts? Or yeah, people later are just... you do. Right. But or you just... have a lot of money and you don't. Or you don't. Ha- or you're like, you have some money, but you also just are sort of like, uh, you know, I mean, I like check it, but I don't like check it, check it. Yeah, yeah. My, a, pet, a pet insurance. What's that? $30 a month or something crazy? Yeah, sure. Who knows? Well, that's the beauty of this process. It is what it is. Every, uh, that's the, what this process is, is all of these things are, all this money is being generated by small bullshit fees right. on people. But for poor people, it's extraordinary. Yeah. In February poor 2000- people like the s- disgraced CEOs. You mean, yeah, you those know. poor guys. In February 2018, the Federal Reserve barred Wells Fargo from growing any larger until it cleaned up its business practices. So that's unprecedented. Wells Fargo is one of the biggest funders of the Dakota Access Pipeline, private prisons, payday loans, and currently funds Trump's immigration centers. Oh, my God. At the time of this recording, Wells Fargo has the highest market valuation among any bank in America worth just north of $250 billion. Berkshire Hathaway, the investment firm run by investor Warren Buffett, is the company's biggest shareholder. Wow. When I moved to California in 2001, I opened a checking account with Wells Fargo. They said I would have. I, they said I could not open a checking account unless I also opened up a savings account. I told them I did not want a savings account because I would have. I like to have my savings account at a separate bank. They assured me there would never be a fee, and that I had to open the account. Years later, I discovered my empty savings account, and it now had a deficit of around seventy dollars because they were charging me a fee. Seattle and Los Angeles have voted to sever ties with Wells Fargo after their current financial services contracts end. Please contact your city about doing the same thing. Some facts about how banks fuck over cities. In Los Angeles, 50% of all infrastructure, infrastructure spending, 50% of all infrastructure spending goes directly into a banker's pocket. Our tax dollars help finance leaky oil pipelines, weapons uh, 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 creators, private prisons, including the cages that uh, children are being held in at the border. There's a proportion, there's a proposition in Los Angeles to create a public bank, Proposition B. Public banks are only for public money, things like tax, dollar, tax dollars, electric bill payments and fees. Private banks use your money to pay politicians to skirt laws to put our entire economy at risk, as we saw in 2007. They invest in tobacco companies, oil companies, weapons manufacturers, they're helping destroy the planet, 
And as we can see, they totally fuck over everyone and no one holds them accountable. A public bank would have to abide by strict rules about how it manages our money, and we get the say in what it invests in. Loans made in Los Angeles would be for Los Angeles. This would be a great step in reversing the economic inequality that plagues our country. A public bank would save Los Angeles money. We owe $3 billion in debt service to Wall Street every year. A public bank would lower borrowing costs, and much more of that money would stay in the city and be spent on the things we need. Vote yes on Proposition B. I'm not sold. Now, when people say that Obama was a great president, a great president does not allow criminals to fuck over millions of people and walk away with millions of dollars. And if you don't think that that reverberated emotionally in every fucking person that voted against Hillary Clinton, you're wrong. People are mad, and they're mad for a reason. There is no justice in a country that does that. And at the same time, people are being locked up for 20 years for smoking a fucking joint. So you wonder why people are angry it's pretty fucking obvious. Yes, exactly. I mean, truly. But, you know, it really is, like, that's why, like, when there are little things you can do, like vote yes on B, like, yeah. that you have to. You have because to. Because th- these chances come along not that often to actually do something that can make a difference and that could be a model for other places. Yeah. And the companies are... They're machines that will never stop trying to take all the money that they can get. Look, North Dakota has had a public bank since like 1910. It's great. Functioning. It's all good. If our government isn't going to hold these banks and people accountable, then we need to take the money from them. Yeah. That's it. There is no other solution. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's just... (laughs) It's the Sopranos. Yeah, I mean, it's just like how the the the. No, this is what's the difference between this and the fucking mob. The in the the knot that this is in is just. I mean, everybody involved in that scheme at the top wins, and then everybody below them. I mean, it really is. All the employees it's got a, fucked. It's a hidden. It's a pyramid scheme that nobody ever sold to you. Yeah, all the employees got fucked. All of the all of the customers got fucked. Everybody got fucked. Politicians did not get fucked. The people running this game did not get fucked. They walked away with millions of dollars. I'm going to put, like, so many whistles in a pillowcase and just go beat the shit out of some of them. (laughs) Huh? You blow whistles now, you bitch? Huh? You like that, you motherfucker? Huh? Dude, I mean, you know, like, we're in a, uh, we're in a, a cannonball run to see which thing is going to screw us over the most. Yeah. But, um... You know, I mean, if you have money coming into your city, your town, Los Angeles has 90,000 homeless people. Like, being able to actually do some stuff towards that would be helpful. And, and you should. And the idea that you just get half, that half of your money goes, half of that money goes to the banks, right? I mean, it's, it's just. It's fees. What is they, that? They get so much money. I mean, it's just insane. They charge so much for fees, and they do it to pensions. They do it to everybody. But everybody in every city should be asking for a public bank now. This is the answer to what they're doing. Ask your... 
the city councils, your mayor, start pushing for public banks. This is the way to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Anyway, cheerio. Anyway, um, always good to have one of our little fiery afternoon conversations. <laughs> All right. Um, we still sign cars. We do still sign cars. Still happening. We signed a dude also. Yeah, we signed a man. We yeah. signed cars and men. So congrats to us. Yeah. All right. Well, well, wells. Bye-bye. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army. To join me for, I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.